This is the Total Perspective Vortex. I'm Tragula, and today we have our inaugural guest, the one, the only, Sargon of Akkad, Carl Benjamin. Welcome, uh, Sargon. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so what I wanted to bring you on to talk about is, is a project I think is uh, that we're both very passionate about in um, this idea of the demoralization of the West that we see happening and um, in the scary ways that communism has infiltrated all our institutions at this point. So uh, I just wanted to maybe have you start out by asking the, que- like, asking the question, like, what happened in the Enlightenment? And how do you think the West got so demoralized? I'm not sure I've got the answer to that. That's quite a big <laughs> question. Um, but I, I guess, um, I guess I put it down to the current, the the current malaise has probably been with the Enlightenment since the beginning, uh, which is rampant materialism. And I'm not a religious man. I don't believe in God because I came out of the left and the left is deeply materialistic um, there's n- there's very little that's spiritual about the the western left and so this is I think the driving force for them looking for meaning and spirituality in other cultures and I don't mean religion uh, I mean um, sort of you know deeper meaning to things rather than a pragmatic uh, useful meaning to the thing uh, they're, they're looking for something that feels mystical and you know sort of oriental and strange and otherworldly and I, th- I think there's a drive in human beings to desire that um, and so they find their current philosophy completely at odds with the idea and so they they kind of treat other cultures as if they are philosophically entirely separate as if there's no overlap uh, like the the it's very conservative in a way um, uh, so they, they, they treat these things as if they are as valid as mathematics or science. Um, because as far as, and I'm sure you've heard this coming out of the radical left, uh, that we need to decolonize the university, decolonize science, decolonize mathematics. And the, the, adv- the argument is advanced that 2 plus 2 equals 4 is a Western construct. Uh, how does the shaman call the lightning was actually one <laughs> student's question. Uh, and to which another student says, he doesn't, and they go, ha-ha, proof that he has a colonized mind. Um, they, so the, this, the, the, the desire to return us to a kind of superstitious past, I think, has been produced and is being fetishized by what I guess we could call the white left, uh, because it really is. And then, then it's the, it's the, the non-white left it is often used, this... The sort of um, compartmentalization and fetishization is used to, for advantage, and this is what we call identity politics. Um, and this is a real problem because most Westerners don't view culture as being so separate and so tangible and discrete. Um, most people, I think, view culture as a very fluid thing and that just happens between people. Um, mm-hmm with no oversight and so no regulation but the 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 left and i don't know whether you cottoned on because they call them blackness and whiteness but the left are very convinced that race informs culture in in direct ways i mean i'm I'm actually working on a script for robin d'angelo's white fragility ah yeah 
and explicitly racial ideology. She believes that there is a racial hierarchy in the United States created by the racial ideology of meritocracy. In fact, I'm probably, I've probably got the quote. Here we go, yeah. Uh, page 21. Examples of ideology in the United States include individualism, the superiority of capitalism, uh, democracy, consumerism, and meritocracy. And then this is the, and she says, the racial identity that is circulating in the United States. And so, okay, fuck, right? I mean, like, it would be, per it's perfectly possible to say that the Enlightenment is a racial, a European racial project if you're the sort of thing, if you're the sort of person who doesn't really believe that ideas cross borders, right? But they are, they are those people and they are yeah. incredibly conservative about non-Western ideas because there's no inspiration they can draw from their own. And this is why, like today, I've just put up a video about how um, in Britain we have something called Last Night of the Problems. It's a very, very big media event, you know, it's in the, I think it's the Royal Albert Hall, it's very plush, very prestigious, you know. When you see the venue, you can see that you're drawing on like, you know, three or four hundred years of British history to have brought the civilization to that point, to be able to create this giant spectacle. And at it is played Rule Britannia and I think Jerusalem, or I can't remember which the other one is. But, uh, oh, um, yeah, yeah, just Rule Britannia is the, is the really offensive one, because that's a very proud patriotic song from the days of the Empire when we did rule the seas. And so they, they want to get rid of this, but this 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 meaning to them is embarrassing it's cringy it's like well, mm. it doesn't reflect anything it's like no it, refle it reflects a spirit but if you've eliminated that dimension of understanding your own culture and to purely material the, the material level then sure we don't rule the seas you know you can see that that's not true but that's not what it's about you know it's about a nobility and an attempt to create something that's better because the the heroic narrative of the british empire is that it was a civilizing force it made the world a better place and i think mm -hmm. most british people think that because i think the, the ironically materialistically that appears to be true you know the british empire created the modern world as we know with the western liberal democracies that we have and the westphalian world order that we have or at least ostensibly and so there's, there's a lot of good that came out of this, as well as the ending of slavery, the promotion of human rights around the world, the, the creation of industry and commerce, things like this. There are, there are real tangible benefits. Uh, there are obviously downsides. There are obviously bad things that the British Empire has done. And the heroic narrative ignores these things because it is the heroic narrative. It's meant to give you an inspirational feeling as to why you should support the thing that we're talking about. And that's what every heroic narrative is about. Um, the the best the best way to describe this is kind of um in Alinskyan terms and i know that mm. there are a lot of people who are triggered by the the, the word Alinsky, but it doesn't matter that he was a communist he was writing a book of tactics and one of the tactics and he uses the example of george washington is demonizing the opponent so they are 100 percent bad and it's at the point where you get to 100 percent the the enemy being 100 percent evil that the what is effectively a crusade can be triggered the moral crusade no this has to be changed because there's nothing redeeming about it um, the, 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 the heroic narrative is the opposite, so there's nothing bad about it. And that's easily criticised by the left. It's a very weak position, because there, there were bad things about it. There's always going to be bad things associated with the word empire, if you're on the receiving end of it, because an empire definitionally is one ethnic group conquering over yeah. others. So, you know, there's obvious, and you would naturally expect that. In fact, that's why we don't do empires now. You know, we consider that to be bad. 
but it was the, the path of the course in human history. But the villainous narrative, which is the narrative of the people who broadly hate the British Empire and what it stood for, um, have they've crafted their own narrative where instead of including anything heroic that had been done, and there were things that were genuinely heroic, um, anything, any uncharitable interpretation could be taken, any twisting of the facts uh, can be made in order to, in fact, change them all into lies. And then when you combine those with the bad things that Britain also did while doing heroic things, uh, you create the, the opposite of the heroic narrative, which is the villainous narrative, which is what the, where the passion comes for, from to tear down statues. It's the same mm. with America. It's exactly the same process. And that's where the passion comes from. But neither one of these narratives is accurate, and only one of them really has any kind of health to it at all. So this, this is where we are at the moment, basically. And I think that we're stuck with having to make the heroic narrative to say that, look, there, there actually is something good about the West, unbelievably. I mean, I've, I've talked to communists about this and asked them, you know, is, do we, should we preserve our own civilization because of the values that we embody in the civilization? And they were like, oh, I don't know. One of them was a father. Like, it's like you've got yeah. children and you're not even sure if we should continue on as a civilization. How lost are we? And that's the case. So, yeah, th this is what I would call demoralization. The underpinning, all of the, the, the point of all of this is that's what demoralization is. And that's what being, you know, infused, moralized is on the heroic side. It, demoralization is when you don't have any good arguments to the villainous narrative. And you are just attacked with it, attacked with it, attacked with it, and you've got no responses. Um, so, yes, we are demoralized. And it does seem to have come out of the Enlightenment. Yeah. So do you think of the, the disconnect with Christianity or the secularization is partly responsible for that? And you yes. and I both came from the left. Yeah. Uh, and I, we, we had sort of our, our shock moments or our, our, uh, like our, our crisis of faith at, at different moments. I think I was elevator gate, you were gamer gate. More or less. Oh no, and, I, I, I was, I was, uh, I made videos during Elevate Gate. Okay. Uh, against Emma Watson's uh, nonsense. It was Emma Watson, wasn't it? That's yeah. Right. Yeah. A against her allegations. No, no, I was, I was there. Okay. <laughs> Another veteran. Yeah, um, yeah no, it's always, it was good to meet one. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so my question there is, why? What? What is it about maybe you and I are that 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 we we have this sort of desire to defend the west like is there something different about our upbringing or some when so many of the like that was what struck me most about the atheist community at the time was all these people that i thought were moved by rationality and had this sort of pragmat pragmatic view of like okay yeah let, let's own the creationists you know there was there's there's some of that sneering intellectual snobbery there but at some level too there was um, this sort of, this commitment to reason um, and rational discussion of these things, and it was very clear from the get go of Elevator Gate, and then there was the Me Too moment of of Michael Shermer, um, that the that these co these conversations could not be had ra rationally with people who purported to be rationally based. Yeah. So why weren't we caught up in that? Or what? Um, I mean, I I come from a military family. And so, and I, I grew up on military bases when there was a good chance the IRA would try and put a, a have a car bomb on something, and so you'd ha you'd you'd always go past um, 
signs that would say things like uh, walk different ways to work and school and whatnot. You know, check under your car with a mirror, uh, to see if there's anything under there. Um, so that's the kind of environment I grew up in, and I guess it's natural to have a kind of heroic narrative going through the armed forces. Uh, my mm. dad was in the RAF, and so on these military bases, it it, it wasn't jingoistic, like patriotism. Like it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't like jingoistic nonsense, but it was just kind of a wholesome British patriotism. Just the kind of yeah. the same kind of patriotism you got at the Olympics in 2011. I think. Uh, you know, so it's just very team Britain, you know, and so it, you know, maybe that informs me personally. I, I don't know about your circumstance, mm-hmm. but I think yeah. what 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 I found really interesting is the um, say the atheist communities, or neo atheists, mm. uh, which is the the mind frame I came out of. Um, it's interesting how that if you look at like Hitchens, um, he was never like anti patriotic in the sense of he thought the West was bad. Like he never, at least nothing that I've seen of him, uh, suggests that he was against. I mean, I listened to him talk about the founding fathers of the American Revolution and Thomas Paine. Like he's, you can see there's a genuine love for the ideas that are being promoted in the foundation of the American Republic, and he's a very big fan of the American Republic. So I can't imagine for a second that someone like him would be looking at what's being done and thinking, okay, this is good, you know. But at some point, there has been a passing of the torch. Uh, not, and it, it came earlier in the atheist community than others to the, the well, I guess we'll just call the social justice mind uh, worldview yeah. of it, um, which is communistic, anti-Western, anti-white, all the you know, anti-male. It is all of these things because they're seeking a, a just and equitable balance on the scales, and they believe that what that means is tear down some to raise up others, uh, to level everything down. Um, but I, I can only imagine it. It was the kind of passing of the torch from the four horsemen to others in the community that uh, that is the consequence of that, and they're just a different generation, maybe. I mean, yeah, I, I well, honestly don't know. I I think part of it, and I, I like I know more about my own background, so I can draw the mm. parallels. Is um, the military strong military tradition in my family as well, mm. and my father also he he provided me with very uh, wholesome stories about our family tradition, right? Um, so I, I, I had sort of this, this sense of self, but there is also, I think, um, a, a respect for the working class. Like my, my father wasn't a miner, but he, he had worked in the mines and my family had worked all in the mines. And, uh, like there was a love of working with our hands and practicality there. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's what's missing from the more, um, the, the people who are in, in the upper middle class, uh, who come from a more academic background? They work. So, they they exist so much in the realm of ideas, and there there's a detachment and dis, dis, disdain for the practical, and they lose a connection. So they can get more swept up by ideology, and less by the consequences of of what's what's done. So I think that that may be a component as well. Yeah. Well, j- just to add to that, I mean, I think that you're right. I think a lot of these people have never hammered a nail. Or anything yeah. like that, you know. I mean, my 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 dad joined the RAF at sixteen to get out of a council house with five other brothers, you know. So it was, you know, needs must, you know. It's, it was it was a way out of poverty, um, but yeah, I think I think you are absolutely right about that. I think they're very much cerebral and uh, don't understand their own sort of cognitive privilege as well. Mm. Uh, th- this this is something um, 
that you said you wanted to talk about, if you want to go on to it, I think that's actually a really interesting subject. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it, I think it really okay. ties into the working class dynamics as well. Um, because my my family's all working class. You know, mm -hmm. um, it, my, uh, you know, uh, several of my aunties and uncles on both sides of the family, in fact, uh, have pulled themselves up into the middle class uh, through education schemes. You know, um, my, my uncle Christopher was the first in my family on my father's side to go to university. And I was the first in our family on my mother's side to go to university. So we're very much working class families have been working their way up uh, the, the hierarchy since the end of the war, since we became capital, you know, free markets of open capitalistic types. And I've been able to do great, which is good. Um, but the, 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 the point is that I still have family rooted in the working class. And so all my life I grew up with uh, my dad was in the RF, so we moved around. And so every every few months, we'd go and visit the family back in Wooden Bassett. And mm. uh, and so I'd I'd get to see in a working class town uh, what it was, what you know, what life was like, you know, and what my cousins were like. And I grew up with them my whole life like this. And so I I got and and obviously the forces as well comes from all over the country. So you get quite a diverse mix of backgrounds there. Um, and so my whole life I grew up, you know, seeing the thread because I'd be friends with officers' sons and I'd go to their bloody palatial mansions. They, they weren't mm -hmm. that big, but, you know, they were a lot bigger than the house my dad was in. Um, but then conversely, I would see ranks lower. And so you, I, I kind of grew up seeing the thread of British society reflected in the military, I suppose. And, um, and, and this basically gave me an understanding of the working class that I think that, as you say, the cerebral ap academics just don't have. Um, I don't yeah. think they understand what people who are not as cognitively gifted as themselves are like. Yeah. And I want to, I want to be clear, um, I'm not trying to insult anyone or belittle anyone or anything like this, right? Um, I'm, I, you know, I've got particular people in mind from my own family who I do not think are stupid, but they are not academic. Yes. And so they're people who do rather than think. And that's incredibly valuable. You know, our civilization is built on these people. So I'm not in mm -hmm. any way trying to dis... And, and it, it annoys me, in fact, when people do disrespect this. I think these are noble professions, and there's, there's always going to be a need for them. Um, but then they're not stupid. They're just not book people, and that's fine. Um, but I don't think... The, I think the book people don't know that. I don't think they're men of action. You know, these are men yeah. of action. The book people are not. And so they don't understand that they have a kind of privilege that these, that the men of action will never have. And they I, don't take them into account. I think that you say that it's just privilege and cerebral, but I think that there is a lack of maturity and actualization that comes when you avoid working with your hands as well. Yeah. When you engage, pain. when you stop, sorry? It's pain, pain. It's pain. Pain the you, pain the author or pain the the feeling. <laughs> pain, pain the feeling. Pain yeah. the feeling. Uh, what I, I bet not not one of these bloody uh, you know book smart academics has ever really been punched in the face, right? Yeah. Ever been in a fight? You know, ever had it? Ever had to go through a rough council estate and have a gang of boys from the other side of town chase them down and kick their heads in? Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to go through that, but a lot of my cousins have been through that. You know, people I know who've been through that. I was lucky. I didn't have to go through that. Although you know, I say lucky. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't, you know, maybe that's character forming experience. But I, and I do think that is the case. Like, not, not obviously getting head kicked in, but like 
roughness. You know, you need yes. some roughness in your life to yes. make you aware of what it's like to not be just in your privileged bubble. Because it's it's only people who've got no experience of like really rough handling that think that you know misgendering is a form of violence or something yes. like that it's, like my god you know there are way worse things than that what are you talking about how mm -hmm. what are your priorities here you know if that's the thing you're concerned about um yeah and i i, I do think that uh, that's a I, like i'm not i'm never i'm never shy about letting my own son rough and tumble you know if he bangs yes. himself and gets a bruise okay he gets a bruise he lives yeah. you know or uh use tools too or things oh, yeah. right so, yeah because yeah, you have yeah. to engage if he needs to gain an understanding, like I do the same with my son, of, of his own strength, and and how, uh, and I think this is why, like, um, like using, exposing people to controlled violence is important, especially young boys, because they have to learn how to to utilize and control that power. If you if or otherwise it it, it won't be, uh, if they don't understand it, they'll fear it and they'll use it in dangerous ways, right? Um, I totally agree. I mean, I think uh, this is why rough housing, the, one, one of the worst things that like that Gillette advert where mm. the, the dads are all cooking the burgers and just watching the boys rough house. And that's portrayed as if it's a negative. It's like, yeah. you know, that's very wholesome. You know, absolutely. If it absolutely. Gets out of hand, the dads are there, you know, yeah. otherwise let them figure it out. You know, they need mm -hmm. this. They need to know this. And you, uh, you're right about the boys know, needing to know their own strength. Um, my, my son's uh, recently got rid of his training wheels. And I say recently because it was only about three weeks ago, but he's going as if he'd never had them. And mm. he's just realized how quick he can go on his bike. You know, so yeah. if we're going down a hill, he'll be powering it. I'm like, careful, son, you know, you don't want to fall off. And today he fell off and, you know, big scrape on his arm. But that's OK. You know, it was, you know, he, you know, five minutes later, he wasn't crying anymore. And he got back on and, he, and we rode, rode back, you know. Life lessons show that, look, you are a powerful person and there are consequences to your actions, you know, to yes. your body as well as others. You, you know, you've got to learn this the hard way. I think coddling kids, especially boys, is bad, bad for them. Okay, so I want to take this in a, a bit of a more cerebral direction now. Sure. Um, because uh, in your, your video you, of how the Enlightenment handled religion, you mentioned the levelers. And uh, we've, we've talked about... Uh, communists as well and also now the the people who refuse to be named um but you can call them the inter intersectionalists the neo-marxists um the race critical theorists um i just the, want to be clear this like if, if you're implying jews it's not just jews oh i'm not you know I, uh, that's, no that's i'm totally thing. not like, <laughs> yeah i i, I yeah. hear this from the alt-right all the time it's like look man you know they're like one of the most important thinkers is falguni chef who robin d'angelo's work is based on D'Angelo's a Catholic and Sheth is Indian, you know, and the, these are the, the, yeah. the, you know, preeminent thinkers in, in sectionality at the moment. They, they all reference each other and cite each other and, you know, say, look, this, my, you know, my thinking's building on. So, like, I mean, there are oh, some Jewish people, but it's. Yeah, so, oh, no, no, no. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, I, you, you can put that aside because I'm not. Sorry. I, yeah, I don't yeah, think that's the case. A, yeah, no. I, in case anyone was wondering if there was any okay. implication, that's where I stand on that. Oh, sorry. I uh, know my uh, the communists it, are way more important. <laughs> <laughs> but I I think that there is an underlying uh, societal resent. There's there's a mechanism that's going on here. That like you you talked about how they're dividing by race and previously Marxism materialist Mark um, was ex dividing on class. Mm -hmm. It's the same sort of divide and conquer and and and. An, um, and tear down society is what I'm yes, seeing. It's the Marxist-Leninist framework. Yes. Yeah. But it, what I'm trying to get at with the levelers is that I think that 
the Marxist-Leninist framework is only its most, um, the most recent incarnation of something that's always yep. been with us. Yep. You can see this going back as far as um, uh, 95 Thesis is Martin Luther. Um, I, was, I was listening to an audiobook of Will Durant talking about this a while ago. And uh, it was a, a couple of weeks ago. I was really enjoying it. So, someone had uploaded all of Well Durant's work to YouTube. Mm -hmm. So I've just been working through it. It's been wonderful. Nice. But um, when, when Martin Luther uh, nailed his theses to the door and uh, wars start happening, the, essentially half of Germany goes up as communist. And there's a, there's a war with the peasants against the nobility. The peasants eventually get crushed. And Martin Luther comes out against what is effectively a communist revolution against property. Um, it's it's very interesting how these ideas have obviously always been there, probably seeded yes. from feudalism itself. Um, but mm. yeah, yeah, the the level is very early English Civil War, wasn't it? That they sort of came to prominence. So here's here's part of my theory, of of uh, which I actually call um, broadly foundational humanism, because what I'm looking for, because I still consider myself a secular humanist, um, yeah, though I don't call myself a, 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 an atheist anymore. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I I think I've I've found a a, a foundation that ties the, the subjective and objective together. But here it's the, these problems echo, right? So it's a, the problem of uh, that we see of this of this sort of resentment this, this of of property is also has echoes in, on the familial level and on the like uh, on the individual level. So inside of the individual, there's the same sort of um, structural uh, turmoil, mm. and you can see this. Um, I think that uh, it, it's the natural tribal reaction to um, inequality. So what we're what you're seeing with the communists, uh, well, we'll call them the communists because that's the the easiest in yeah. incarnation of this. But I think it, with all these these movements, you see yeah. this attack the on property. Ethos, it's yeah. the communist ethos is a societal level projection what you might see between your two, two children where one gets an ice cream cone and, and the other one gets a carrot. Yeah. Right. If you, <laughs> if, if you get, if you treated your kids that way, then they, they yeah. would quite rightly um, feel this, that inequality and that sense of resentment yeah. uh, from that. So it's uh, what it really is, I believe is a scaling problem of, and, and you'll see this with, um, with communists in general, where they want to destroy the family and report re replace it with the state, that's part of the leveling process, right? If you yeah. go back to John Lennon, it's like the imagine no countries, imagine no yeah. religion. Well, the, the family has been described by modern communists as an engine of inequality. Yes, uh, it, it is the the fact that um, white people often do form stable families, and apparently in America, black people don't. Um, at least if the single parent statistics are anything to go by. And that has been observed as being a factor in inequality, and that's true. You're, you're doing your kids no favors by being a single parent. Um, sorry, didn't mean to. No, I just want to say, and before the 1970s, that wasn't the case, though, with the black families, no. I believe. Yeah, no, before, so before the welfare state. Thomas Sowell is very, very clear about this. He just yeah. lays, out the, lays out the dates, lays out the timeline. It's like, well, it does seem to be that. What else is there? And it's interesting that this problem has now been created, like as like Thomas so pointed out and now we see it it's it's been incorporated into this black identity yeah. uh, that the, the marxists are projecting and saying oh well we you know you can't be trusted to have uh, have the uh, the familial bond so that's racist it's a racist expectation um but uh, uh yeah so so i th think that part of what 
the um, the Marxist project is that they're they're trying to, and this is like the idea of comrade comes in, and you'll see in the Black Lives Matter they start inserting these like neighbor, I think is the word they're trying to trying to use now, but it, it's it, yeah, it's the uh, the leveling again. Mm. Of, of the field and make it so we treat everyone equally but they want to treat everyone equally um as a family right is that the idea of it so they're bringing us back to this family level thing but the problem with families is they don't scale and if what you which if you try and have a, a large system where you treat people like family what you end up with is a mob because you can't treat everyone like family family breaks down because family is ruled by exceptions so, Families are also very hierarchical. I mean, there's there's very clear duties and obligations and yes. authority. Uh, but when when it's not, then you need something explicit that's laid out. Um, yes, yeah. There's definitely a hierarchy to family, but, um, you know, I I would be, I, you know, I I try and give my my son clear rules, but at the same time, I'm tailoring it. I I tailor tailor his his punishments or his or the rules to his actualization in a way yeah. that's because you're acting in his best interest in his best interest yes exactly if, if if it's the dictator who doesn't love you you know exactly and that's yeah. the thing love doesn't scale like that and this is where and this is a, a problem that the um uh, the marxists uh, or the communists run into is that they want to uh scale compassion they want to stay in a compassion-based system but what you actually have to do to, when when you go up to the state level, if you don't want to start lying to yourself and say that this the state can't care about everyone because the state doesn't have that that resolution on on every individual, so you have to have a more much more abstract law based system. Yeah. You have to set the rules of the game. Yeah, the, the, this is this is um, a facet of the Enlightenment. I think is the idea that we can have, uh, we we can engineer society. That we can scientifically design yes. the, a better society, and I, I've, I'm very sour on that. And I, I can thank Hayek for pointing me in that direction. I think he did. Like, I, I read to the road surfed, and I was like, well, he's making a lot of really great points here. You know, mm -hmm. um, I, I do agree that it should be individual. Individual agency is much more um, predictable when a fair set of rules, clear, a, a clear and fair set of rules, is yes. presented. Um, because then you don't need to manage anyone. You can have faith that the person will manage themselves, and if they break the rules, well, that's why you have police. That's yeah. why you have enforcement mechanisms. And that way, that, that to me is what liberty looks like. That's freedom, in my opinion. It's, yeah. a, it's a fair and understood set of rules that everyone is broadly in agreement with and can just get on with their lives and do what they want. I don't want a bureaucrat telling me what to do. Like the idea, like this is the thing. The idea, the, the argument people always make is, ah, but there's, it's too complex. We won't be able to do it. It's like, hang on, don't do that. Because that's then, that's you telling them, well, if you could do it, then we would do it. And no, mm. we won't do it because it's my choice, not yours or some computers or whatever, you know, my, you know, massive computer, you, the giant brain that you figure out, oh, look, I'll control every aspect of your life and everything will get 10% more return or something. I'll live without the 10% and I'll just be my own guy. How about that? You yeah. Know? It's immoral for you to have that level of control over my life. And it's that, yeah, and it's that, um, but I think that's a very mas masculine notion of freedom. Yes. Right? Because it's, it's naturally competitive. Is tell me the rules yes. of the game so I can play it. But it's exactly. also, and, and we're talking about, like, why you and I, I think, we're not affected as much as, from, because the military teaches that value of rules and hierarchy. Yeah. 
right? And this is actually part of what they really resent, right? Mm. Is when they talk about part patriarchy and ma- and specifically merit- meritocracy. Yeah, is uh, I think this is what they're they're really attacking because a game has meritocracy yeah. in, in tr- built into it, and the opposite of that is is a system that nurtures and cares for. Well, a meritocratic system is by nature exclusionary, um, mm. definitionally. You know, that's deliberate. And if your philosophy is founded on inclusivity, meritocracy is a problem. Is it is it exclusionary or is it it's ranking? Because I think the problem is is more that it's it's judging, well, and they well, don't feel that they can meet those standards of the, of the judging. The, <clears throat> what you, you when you're talking about meritocracy, you, you'd be talking about an institution. Uh, hmm. So you could say the BBC was meritocratic, which we can't say, actually. Um, so I won't use that. Uh, you know, the Olympics is meritocratic. Yeah. Um, and so it, it is deliberately going to exclude people who don't meet the minimum bar for competition. Hmm. Uh, I won't be able to win any, you know, jogging or long running or sprinting, you know, or anything like, or any of them, actually. I probably yeah. wouldn't qualify for any of them. Um, so <laughs> it, it is deliberately exclusive. But because it's merit-based, the idea is that you can change yourself through your the act of will of everyday training and practicing and blah blah, and and you can make the bar. So that's that's why we venerate these people as being Olympic heroes mm. because they've gone and done the work. You know, it's a hell of a lot of work. It's a very virtuous thing to spend yes. ev- all day every day. I mean, I can't even imagine. I hear some of the schedules of these Olympians. Yeah, I get up at five o'clock every day. I have like three eggs for breakfast. Then I've got a two-mile run. And it's like, no, no, no. I'm in bed <laughs> till about 10 o'clock, okay? Yeah. Then I might go for a bike ride in the sun <laughs> in the early yeah. afternoon, you know. I'm not, you know. And so the, it, it's, it's not unjust because, the, you know, it's not just deliberately saying, right, you personally can't do it. It's, you know, giving the opportunity to compete. Um, but that that's that's to them to the to the all inclusive no one should be left outside because that's evil for some reason um i mean i mean it literally is if if the you know nothing is for everyone you know there's nothing yeah. that's for everyone so making trying to say like you know this is for everyone that means it's just for nobody yeah exactly it's for it, if it's not for every if if it's for everyone, it's for nobody, or it has no values. It's non-discerning at that point, right? And like the whole word discrimination has been turned into like something ugly or negative, but yeah. that's actually what what hierarchy provides, right? It lets us sort things and well, and find the people. That's the basis of anything. We yeah. discriminate yeah. between things. I mean, that's the basis of anti-racism is being able to discriminate between a black person and another black person. You know, they're mm. not they're not just all the same. They're, they're yeah. different, you know. Yeah. And so it's, it, you know, yeah, you're right. Discrimination has is, is acquired a horrible taste. Mm-hmm. But it really doesn't need yeah. that, right? Because they, but this is the, in their uh, pursuit of, of like absolute like equality, it becomes this, this nihilistic endeavor, right? And they really want to, and this is again the, the field of resentment. So we were talking about that resentment mechanism. Uh, of the child with one one gets a carrot one gets a an ice cream cone and if that's the sort of society family that you're running that that um the kid who's getting the carrot is not the ice cream cone is starting to start to uh get resentful of that and and then they'll want to upset the family order right Mm -hmm. they'll want to flip the game board and that flipping that they don't want they'll refuse to play the game anymore and that's the mechanism that i think that the um the communism is trying to design uh, drive on the societal level. Oh, completely. completely. Yeah, communism it, it, was, they've always 
push resentment and envy as yeah. primary le- weak points against whatever it is they're trying to topple. And yes. It's just a sound strategy, really. But you are it, right about inequality and how it is a driver. It, it creates resentment. You know, it creates mm-hmm. envy. Um, th- this, this is why I'm not like, you know, some radical well, libertarian. It, it, I, it actually doesn't need to, though, right? It, it, it only... Well, it, it, seriously, because um, it only does that if one that it's it, it's perceived as unfair or unjust. Yeah. And if the rules are fair, yeah. like, and if and if I've been, um, and if I've been well well uh, well raised to like play games and understand that I might not win this game, but I can win other games, or that I I can still contribute by by playing my best. I may not be the best player, but I can be part of the team, and it it's better if everyone plays. The good sportsmanship, then that's a good that, way of framing. You know, they're yeah. not good sports. Exactly. No, it, it's it's part. It's that, part of what exactly they're right, yeah. they're part of the that they're um, yeah. they're developing is is that they're not they're not fully actualized as human beings. Yes, is what I'm saying. So that they're they're feeding into this resentment and they're not good sports and they don't value the rules. And some of them though they want to because the motivations of people are different, right? That people are joining sure. because of different reasons, but um, they're they're driving to flip the game board and and, put, and replace it with something that they can do better. Like the whole uh, little finger chaos is a ladder oh, yeah. type scenario. Um, not, not just that. I mean, they, they know exactly what they're doing. They, they're setting up rules for thee and not for me. Exactly. Um, they, they, they actually want to have it both ways. That's the mob rule I was getting at because yeah. this is, this is uh, the destruction of law, like the rule of law. Like, we can see that equality possibly is, or fairness, justice is with the rule of law, right? Mm-hmm. But the rule of yeah. law is the opposite of that is rule by the mob, which is really rule by exception, because every situation is not. There's no governing rules of the game. It's whatever uh, we the mob's perception of the situation is at that moment. I think just. I mean, I don't even know if I call it a rule. I just call it, you know, like I've heard the phrase yeah. anarcho-tyranny being yeah. used. And I think there's value to that, to be honest. It is chaos. And that is a tyrannizing status to be, uh, have forced upon you. Okay. So Nobody feels free then, do they? Um, so actually I wanted to um, touch on one thing that you, you, uh, you talked about in, in your Con- Kanye video. And sure. uh, you, you mentioned uh, one of your objections to uh, Christianity is that you wanted to be the moral authority, not a god. You wanted the moral authority to reside in you. I think that's a left-wing position. I think people who I'm, have been through a kind of phase of left-wingism, I, I'm sure there are a bunch that have gone to Christianity or religion generally, um, but I think that most of most of the ones that I talk to, just personally, um, and people I know who you know, like personal friends in real life, you know they. They, they, a lot of them follow the work I do, and they, they, like, there seems to be a common agreement among the sort of peer group I'm in that we're not religious, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. the, none of, none of, none of the Abrahamic, you know, biblical or canonical texts of the Abrahamic religions uh, is historically accurate. But that's not the point, you know, that's mm. not the point of them. And that's something that the new atheists missed. Yes, that's just not what that that was for. You know, again, I go back to the heroic narrative that we were discussing mm. earlier. Uh, that's essentially the heroic narrative of God, and uh, the new atheists did quite a good job of creating uh, the the villainous narrative of 
god. Yeah. And that's all well and good, but it, God was like a God was like a linchpin in a series of things that if you pull out, a lot of these things fall apart. Mm. Um, I mean, like for example, "Thou shalt not kill" doesn't exist in the Marxist lexicon. Yes. They think that you should kill fascists. Yeah. They need to <laughs> die because of yeah. their beliefs. Thou shalt not kill is gone. You know, there are convenient people. Some people need to be eradicated. You know, the bourgeoisie, the landlords. My God, there are loads of people for the communists to kill. It's like okay, yeah, like they're, they're, okay, that that we <laughs> it's need to take the we, prohibition out, right? Right, and and yeah. Yeah, and it's very clear. I mean, John Locke thought that atheist, atheism should be illegal because without it, morality would uh, mm-hmm. without religion, morality would fall apart. Because he wasn't creating like a, you know his it wasn't a, a, a holistic worldview he was creating. He was just like look. It would be better for like me as an individual to live under a limited government, you know, that didn't persecute me for my religion and allow me to get on with my life. Perfectly reasonable, you know. That's not mm. the communist revolution, you know, um, and it's not anti-religious, you know. It's it, it still assumes, and and this is what a lot of atheists forget as well, is that the the point of religion was a moral guide. I've been doing a yes. lot of historical research and work. Uh, recently, and one of the things that going through, say, Old English uh, ballads and Old English texts is they're very Christian. Yes, and they're very Christian because Christianity is a positive moral framework. When mm. they say I'm a Christian, what they are saying is I'm not a pagan. You know, yes. I don't believe we should just go raid and pillage for the sake of raiding and pillaging because we're strong enough, right? Which mm. is what the Vikings did to the Christians. Like re- reading Alfred the Great talking about the Viking invasions. Not only can you feel the weight on his shoulders, but he just keeps going on. It's because we've strayed from the path of God. That this, that the, the these evil people, are, you know, who don't respect life, who don't respect property, who don't care about us at all, have come to ravage us. And it's, it's, you, you know, you can see that this is one of the things that said to them about themselves that we are good people. You know, we're good people yeah. for doing this. Um, whereas the Enlightenment. The sort of secular view is okay. So if if God doesn't exist, where does where does our moral authority come from? You know how 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 does anything happen? And I think that most people act like uh, Kantian legislators. For for anyone who doesn't know, Kant uh, proposed uh, what he a, a kingdom of ends in which each person would consider themselves a realm of ends, and each each person would consider themselves to be an end within themselves, so they're not part of someone else's greater good, and they would themselves therefore be able to be a moral legislator, to be able to make moral pronouncements using universalized maxims, as in, could I will it that we shouldn't steal? Uh, if I willed that everyone thought we shouldn't steal, then we'd have a, a society with very little theft, so that would be good, so we can, we can you know, m- make that pronouncement, one secular person to another, I can say, thou shalt not steal. Uh, mm. And they'll say that's right. It would be better if no one stole. I shouldn't have taken this. You know, they they would accept their own culpability. Um, this this makes the individual uh, essentially God in in the moral world. Uh, mm. You're taking the position of God, and the 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 advantage of God is that the 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 maxims you're going to get from God are going to be tried and tested. It'll be very old. Because mm. religions are, are never just the work of one person. Yes. They're the work of generations and generations and generations. Mm. And so the things that you'll receive have been well tested. You know, They'll produce a certain kind of society that can maintain itself. Otherwise, it wouldn't have got to this point. Um, the, the source of moral authority being beyond question uh, is useful if you're not very smart. 
if mm. if you are not a great moral legislator you know mm -hmm. if you're like you know i don't know if it would be better if everyone paid the bbc license or something i don't know you know that's a question isn't it and if you're not very smart you're like, oh christ i need someone to just tell me and if you can say right it's god who says you've got to do this whatever it is then you'll do it because you know you don't you don't have to figure it out for yourself you've got this uh this ultimate command again i'm not saying that's good for smart people but that is good for people who are not so smart and so because the world's an incredibly complex place and it always mm. has been and so understanding the world is a very very difficult task for absolutely for some people you know and and you have to be very invested and work very hard be, uh, be smart enough yourself to be able to do it and so it's reassuring and comforting and gives guidance and instruction to inherit a long tradition of moral um well, well i guess we call moral excellence uh, moral traditions that inform you on how to run your life how to you know what it is to be a good person what it is to be a good husband and a father what you should do you know how you should look after your kids how you should treat your neighbor you know the, these things they 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 seem very easy because they're baked into our culture but they're only baked into our culture because of 2000 years of being christian so you know we we like <laughs> being so arrogant to say well okay we're just going to throw all that out okay calm down there was obviously some value there and I've seen some of the moral legislation coming out of the left, yes. and I don't agree that Desmond is amazing. Yeah, and, that, and that's sorry, the, I don't agree. I want, that's why I wanted to push back on the whole idea that that smart people are doing a better job of moral legislating than than the religious, than, yeah. than religious yeah, the traditions. traditions. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, because um, yeah, you pointed out the um, with the French Revolution and the the worship of uh, yeah. of reason, right? Reason, and that yes. turned into this whole debauched situation. Cringe. I, yeah, so I, I'm gonna. It's a. It, there was a pride parade, basically during the French Revolution. For anyone who's watching, <laughs> yeah. uh, go look it up. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, um, I actually I wanted to uh, now talk to you a bit about like um, my my solution to uh, the right. origin of morals and that because so uh, religion I see as a, a a method of of how to live. It answers the question of how to live. And this is sort of the, the question that arises from the spark of consciousness. So you can you can think of um, any conscious being, even a shark, for example, swimming in the ocean, tries to answer this question of, of how should I live? But to answer it, it's the question the shark only has um, instinct and its own personal experience. It's cut off from that. But human beings with language um, have uh, this powerful tool, powerful tool that they use um, to create stories, and stories are the beginning of religion. So, if you you remember, uh, you so, don't hear. Sorry to interrupt. I I always use the term narratives. Yes. Um, because the stories implies kind of fiction, and it doesn't always have to be fiction. This is why I think if we mm -hmm. frame it in terms of narrative, then we we can see that drawing on our own sort of secular history can yes. be a source of this. Because absolutely, it is. Yeah. Um. I, and I wasn't. Um, no, no, I know you won't. You know. No, I understand. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a good note. <laughs> yeah, um, just a side note. I've been thinking yeah, yeah. Lot, no, it's good. Uh, but uh, I, yeah, where I was going with the, the stories is it's, it's the stories of other people. Language lets us to transfer basically the experience of others. And like you were just pointing out, that temporally, people from earlier periods. I don't even have to admit the person if it's a good story it can move forward. So, so what what then delineates a story that I should learn from history or or how how do we determine the quality of the story? And the quality of the story comes from its morals. So what morals are? Morals are are the abstract patterns 
that we can apply to problems in our own life or to future situations that may arise. And if I, I don't think I, this is part of uh, childcare anymore, but my, my grandmother was a librarian and I remember always being asked, what's the moral of the story? Right, if you remember that, and it, and oh, it was yeah, 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 part of the process of of of, yeah. of building those morals was like, the what of the story. What what can you learn from it? And yeah. the the qual the impact it can have on on your life is like the the number of of morals it can have. So so so, so a, a good myth, for example, is very moral rich, and a biblical story has many morals woven into it. So. Um, that, that they accumulate over time as the story becomes richer and, 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 and fictionalized. And this is actually just on a side note, how you can determine art from pro propaganda is the prop in propaganda, the morals are synthetically placed in there. Hmm. And there's usually, they're very, they're usually moral poor, which is why one of the reasons I think Hollywood movies um, written by idologues do so poorly because they, they've, put in specific morals into it and then they, they don't they want to eliminate all other morals because they really want to hand fist hammer in these specific morals and and people don't respond to that don't see the the quality of the story is lost because the the resonance with their life the utility of the story is is lost yeah the, well, the, the, it doesn't resonate with them because it doesn't reflect an aspect of reality as they've understood it yes yes so you need to bundle in the other morals yeah. in there and this is it, it um, and that 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 creates that 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 art. Like the more it speaks to me, like I, the more I see the the tools of how this can apply to my life or my situation, or that I that it's rich and there's a, a plethora of of morals that I can um, I can grasp from it. That that makes the story or the piece of art resonate with me more. Now, morals are also then uh, the the next of tier of this is heroes. Right. So, and this, these are people that you, you want to emulate. Obviously, you want to seek out the stories of the people who are following a path in life that you, you also want to, fo you, you also want to follow, um, the people that you respect, um, and you value their stories over others. Uh, so you, 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 and I, you know, as, as a, a passionate lover of history, like you, you go in and you look at, at the, these stories and see how these people uh, navigated their situations and, and learn from it, derive morals from it. But as, as sort of that, that hero, that hero process um, evolves or it, it, the, the value of a hero to other people is less about the individual person and more about the, the morals they represent. The reflection of the values of the exactly. community that Holds yeah. Them as a hero. yeah exactly. so what you then see is the creation of of superheroes or demigods like they, the heroes develop a gravitational force yeah, uh, where they they start pulling in other other stories yeah. other other narratives into them so like i think the example i use is george washington yeah. for example it is famously um and again it's something i don't think the children are taught this but i remember the, ch the cherry tree story and i can never tell a lie how he's mysteriously cut down a cherry tree but um he, he was so committed to the truth that he and, and accepting responsibility that when his father asked him, yeah. he, he, he uh, claimed responsibility. Well, that um, is that that's next phase. It's obviously not true. It's obviously it not true. Matter. You know, exactly. What, what matters is that's a value of this, the culture yes. that, that tells that story. You know, and this is noble. It's noble, exactly. And this is, uh, but it's, so the person is still there, but start has started to diminish to the, the values in the stories. Yeah. And, once the next 
stage in this is, is from superhero to or demigod is to full god. And this is where the emergent virtues start to emerge. So when we're talking about a pantheon of gods, we're, we're talking about a pantheon of virtues, mm. a, a, a wide selection of virtues. And virtues are really bundled, bundles of, of morals that have a common thread. So you could think of them as, as, uh, as rope woven, a virtue is a rope wo- woven from moral thread. So if you have a virtue like um, beauty or, or, or wisdom, it's like beauty becomes this, this mental uh, um, abstraction of, of all your, your experiences of beauty, but not just your experiences, but other people's shared experiences of beauty. And that becomes that, the virtue that one can aspire to. Okay. I mean, how do I normally define virtue? I guess I would normally define virtue as the end product or the the process of action, the the thing demonstrated by action. But it's it's, it's key in the the practice is is the virtue. Yeah, this is, this, yeah, this yeah. Is, it's yeah. in the action itself. You know, it's in yeah. the motion. It's in it's in the being of the thing in that moment. You yeah, know, in, in each subsequent moment. And you um, see the sort of the evolution of, 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 of this kind of conception of gods, like Ares, god of war, where Mars was yep. was god like the actions, god, god of that specific action, god of that path and career fear, in life, yeah. fear. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the soldier would, would want to re- represent that and emulate that. Yeah. So the well, soldier might have... Vices, isn't it? Yeah, the soul of vices I have a, a whole other um, explanation for too. But um, where... where so you you have like the heroes that can guide you on your path, but you also have the demigods and the gods. Well, so that explains why they play such an active role in the hero stories in ancient Greece, doesn't it? Yes, because uh, it's the, the the vices or virtues being manifested. Yeah, and this is also is um, why I mean, and conversely, when the people who are attacking Western civilization civilization are attacking the statues, hmm. and I I've. Um, do you remember your be- the Beach Body Ready Institute uh, situation that happened in the UK a matter of years ago? Yeah, I yeah. feel that as we talk about how Evergreen was a pre- precursor to what's going on now, but I think the, that was also a precursor. It's that oh, tearing down of tearing down of standards. It's like these things judge us. These these are are putting a meritor- meritor- meritocratic frame on us, and we want to yeah. reject that. Yeah. We want to reject that path. And I mean, there so, was an, there was an article written that. To, to end fat phobia, we need to deconstruct Western civilization was the mm-hmm. title of the article. And I'm like, no, I'm okay with fat phobia. <laughs> yeah, As a yeah. fat guy, I'm okay I, with it. I'd rather live in Western yes. civilization and be fat than yes. uh, get rid of it and become thin. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, sorry. It is about the tearing down of standards. You're absolutely right. It's, yeah. it, it manifests in all of their activism. It's all about mm-hmm. breaking down barriers, making things for everyone and therefore for no one. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is where we we get to like the the pantheon of gods is really the mm. the pantheon of virtues and this is like at this point you have a human being has enough to to lead a good life right so they can actually go they they can they can choose the the stories and the heroes they wish to follow the the demigods they wish to follow the gods and that I can actually that's enough uh that if you select your goals you can find a good path that, and and live lead a good meaningful life mm. but there's one level of abstraction that is above the uh, uh, the gods, mm-hmm. and this is uh, what the gods actually all share in their practice. It's and the divine will, isn't it? No, it is not the divine will. No, no it's it's okay. what it actually is. It's it's the 
well, it's it's the, the three that are one. It's the Trinity. Um, and I the mean tr- the, the <clears throat> I mean the the realm of the 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 divine will, not necessarily. Oh, oh, okay. Itself, the, the, def- the 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 in the realm of abstract, pure abstraction and definition. Yes, yes, it is. In that 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 case, it is. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was, I was sort of making reference. I, 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 I just watched your video and they talked about the the moral will of the masses, and I was like, no, no, okay, so I, that's why I was mistracked by that. But it's 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 these three three uh, three um, things in relation that represent a process, an iterative loop, a generative loop. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the father, the mother, and the hero, or the uh, the the defeminized Christian version of the, the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, what this actually uh, talks about is, is, is the process of moving through life. And all of, all of the, the, the virtues share underneath them the subtraction of this process. Uh, and it, what it actually is is a generative, uh, the, the good in the, the abstraction is a generative loop. It's a... Um, it's the Holy Grail. It's the Horn of Plenty. I like the I like the Horn of Plenty um, representation better because it has that sort of the cornucopia from originally from from uh, from Greek yeah. mythology has that it has that um, conical f- frame where it's like revolving out in, until yeah. it eventually bursts forth in in goodness and creation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so that is and this is the. the the orientation of a well-formed religion hmm. is that the um, the unification around um, God or this this idea of 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 bounty through collaboration through through a, a shared vision of of these different paths we all select and take, and from the emergence of our activity comes comes this bounty that unifies us. Hmm. So. Yeah. So, but so this now this exists. Now this is this is where like we w- talked about how the atheists like wanted, wanted to own everything because they wa- they wanted to materialize and objectify everything. So where does this sort of uh, this exist? This is, exists in the the subjective, and one key mistake that I think uh, earlier thinkers made about the subjective is they they took and like the this you see this in sort of the Rousseauian French will type of free will type of thing where they they think that anything that i can imagine i can bring forth through the force yeah. of my will right yeah. Yeah. but subjectivity is actually shaped and i sort of tried to when i when i talked about it origin uh, um arising from this spark of consciousness this question how do i live i i wanted to sort of, i wanted to emphasize that behind subjectivity there is an intent subjectivity is not the be all end all and um as as Jordan Peterson put it, um, even God could not create a garden without snakes. So there are things that are just beyond, uh, that can be imagined that are, are, are beyond the realm of the possible. So we have to actually, so well-oriented subjectivity is oriented towards God, this, this generative good. And there's different paths that you can take to get there which is that, that that's this this the, this was why the relationship is deeply personal this is something i think that the christians really honed in on is that it's your it's um uh your relationship with god is deeply personal because you're selecting your own path to heaven and i think that that the well constructed path has those those tiers of of stories and heroes and uh 
de- of demigods and gods and uh, and and finally the ultimate god. And you'll see that in Christianity, they because they are a monotheistic religion, as it re- developed, they had to fill out that path because there's it, just having that that abstract god is is isn't clear for exactly for the for the pro more practically minded people, right? It's not clear enough instruction, so you have uh, you, you you have to have this de-evolution. So you have things like angels and devils. Um, angels take the role of the virtues. Like the angels actually have their own dominions, and they re- they they represent yeah, virtues. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then you have the heroes of Christianity become saints, which are demigods. Yeah, superheroes, right? And they, actually, the requirement yeah, in Christianity. I, I agree. Is, it's a it's a monotheistic stamp on a pagan religion i agree yeah oh but it, but you see i think it, it i i've studied um for good reason. buddhism and and hinduism too and you see the same sort of uh evolution de-evolutions in place so they'll say oh we're a pale polytheistic religion religion but there'll be sects that are clearly monotheistic yeah um well, i i think that there's a logical implication in the very idea of gods uh, that eventually leads to one god um, yes and i, th- I think that essentially you kind of end up at that position uh, which is i think why we saw it emerge quite early i mean it really did come about very early didn't it sort of 1000 bc um so i i think that's inevitable so yeah so so gods um the thing about gods though is they judge you mm-hmm. and um and that's what the and it creates a value hierarchy and that's and you'll see that the language in the marxists that they've they've they haven't come to terms with God. They haven't come to terms with their, their own self-actualization. And where they're stuck is in um, the compassion or, or the mother. Like all, all virtues can be vices, even like the, at the, the highest level. Yeah. And it, what, where a Marxist, where communists are stuck is with an excess of, of compassion that's not balanced by the wisdom or the culture, right? A reverence for that. Let's. I, I'm reluctant to to use the word compassion um, because I don't think that compassion is simply giving people what they want. Um, mm. No. You know, yeah. You're. Yeah. You, you know. So it, the the compassionate thing can be to put a suffering animal out of its misery, right? Mm. And that's that requires violence. That's. A, and this is. I, I, so, but the so but the, the so I I wouldn't just give them the word compassion. But there's certainly an excess of something. Uh, like I, I mean, honestly, I would say it would be pandering to weakness. To be mm, it is pandering to weakness. It. But this is yeah. the compassion is pandering to weakness. It's. Well, I, and, I don't and, know but, if that's compassion. But, that's the it, thing. It, it isn't. It isn't because you are. You're actually, and it's, it's because you're balancing wisdom with its twin virtue. Balancing yeah. compassion with its twin virtue, wisdom. So you're actually looking. You're. 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 You're evaluating the situation instead of making the exception for the rule you're actually evaluating using wisdom using culture what is the best action that will bring about the compassionate ends which i which i want to do right where but you can and and that is what a like a this is why the the relation this, this is why the relationship between the father and the mother is so important because on a familial level there's the, still this this battle between doing the the uh, the wise thing the the incompassionate like purely very rigid this is the correct you know more more spartan spartan side of things but 
the compassion is like no like you know we, we got to stop the forced march today the people need to to sit down we're leaving we're leaving some people behind when we don't need yeah. to so they, there's this there's this discourse that has to occur um between the two forces i, I for, agree a, a golden mean needs to be found yeah and this is this is why i think we're we're, we're radical centrist because this is um part of horseshoe theory um like actually i sort of wanted to get your take on horseshoe theory what did you actually seems to be proven more correct every day okay so so <laughs> um but i I, th- I find it interesting the way you seem to be setting it up as a, one side the communists as an excess of uh compassion yes and the other side say the fascists have an excess of security right? i would say an excess of of and you're going to get even more probably triggered by this but an excess of wisdom is uh if you if you mean sort of um cynical practical wisdom uh, maybe yeah. we can let that go. Yeah, yeah, it's it's exactly. Well, that's we're talking about the toxic versions yeah. of those those taken to their their excess. Um yeah. Uh, yeah, so and and I think you'll see that like in the everything in the state was everything in the state everything uh nothing out within of against the state. the state. Everything within the state ev- nothing against the state. And there's the uh, third thing. N- yeah, nothing against the state, nothing outside the state. Nothing against the state, nothing outside Something the like state. I, I can't remember the exact formulation. So it's 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 totalizing law. It's sort of totalizing yeah. a dedication to this one one value, yeah. and it, and there can be no no escape from that, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the and there's even in his presentation of it, there's this brutal practicality of like, look, we'll come out on top if we do this. The 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 state that will outcompete all the other states will be the most brutal, right? So it's it's an it's very much an ends justifies the means argument, and that's what oh, yeah. wisdom is take. That's where wisdom goes without um, compassion to reel it in. Hmm. I'll have to have a think about that. Yeah, I'm sure. There's a better way of framing it than wisdom. Uh, well, I think the the Jungian ways argument is culture versus nature, right? Mm-hmm. Is the way that they they phrase it. So. An excess of culture takes you to that, and it sort of like plays wait, nicely wait, with the idea we'll, of a state. We'll use the term wisdom for the okay. things. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, th- yeah, and, and that is so they're they're suffering from an excess of of compassion, which turns them against wisdom, is um, is how I would frame that. And then there's a each, each of these like the, the iterative loop is also driven by existential fears. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. But I'm trying to. Um, to sort of give you this sort of framework that we can start to build where I, where I'm going with that is, is, is that they, they suffer from an excess of compassion and this is what turns them against the, 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 the signals of wisdom. But it's, again, it's, it's only wisdom. It's only wisdom and compassion in the internal individual. Cause again, at least these are echoing out. Yeah. Um, so at, at the familial level, it's, it's, it's the battle of the genders, right? It's, it's the father and the mother or a masculinity and femininity. Yeah. It could manifest in any sort of playing field. Yeah. And and, uh, the principle of the thing. And, and then it, but at the, and the sort of at at this societal level, it's, it's the left and the right. Yeah. And you'll, and if you, if you watch for it, you'll see that the, um, the conservatives are always arguing for tradition and, and, but also practicality. Right. Mm -hmm. So like if you, you see, uh, Oh, what's his name? Uh, uh, ben there. Um, ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. Yeah, I don't know. I, I blacked on that. So you, you see Ben Shapiro talking about the lockdowns, and he's all numbers, numbers, numbers. This is like like looking at it like it's a balance sheet, right? Yeah. 
facts don't care about your feelings. But um, the left are in a completely different playing playing field. They're in a, in a hysteria at the moment. Well, they they literally think that feelings don't care about your facts. Yeah, <laughs> I mean yeah. that's that's their position. That's you know the facts mm -hmm. are subjective, so I can feel how I like. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll see. And how this manifests, though, too, is this battle between um, laws and ex exceptions. Because, like, one of the problems with, with as you go higher level here mm. is in, at the societal level is you you need things to be more rule based because yeah. it has to be less. It's it's well, it less impersonal. Objective. It has to. Yeah. Um. I don't know about. I don't know about objective. I'm not saying perfect objectivity. I'm saying it has to be the same rule for everyone. Yes. Under it for yeah. It to be just. Yeah. So yeah. it would have to. So it has to be the same based. experience of the rule yes. that a person has. You know, if a person murders someone, they go to jail, regardless of. But I think that there's like an argument that that laws are socially constructed in a sense. So our our laws objective is sort of. Yeah. Well, yeah. No. No. But all 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 we mean when we say objective, surely, is just can be independently verified by anyone who looks at it. Yes, right? in the so sense of... It, yes. So it's not, it's not that, you know, God is making it perfect, but just if someone goes to read the rule, they can say, thou shall not kill. You yeah. Know, and that goes for you know, that's, it. It doesn't have to be... like I, Whenever you say objective, people get this unbelievably high-minded view of, like, some mathematical universe that they're looking down upon and everything could be calculated all the time. It's like, no, no, Jesus Christ. I just mean that two people can look at the same thing and come to the same conclusion. You know, it's not that complicated. It doesn't yeah. have to be that complicated. Yeah, I was actually just uh, thinking about the the excerpt from that should trans women compete with biological women debate yeah. that you saw. And this is why I was sort of triggered by objectivity is because I saw them, they were, and I, I've seen this in other debates that you've been in, where they start quoting studies at you. Yeah, that, a different something to me. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like there, what what study do you think that you're, you're going to offer him that's going to make him want to change his definition of a woman, right? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, 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 study on it, dude. It's yeah. philosophy. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's is a moral <laughs> policy I debate. Comments. I saw some some people come and well, he just ignored that study that showed they lost muscle mass. And it's like, well, so what? <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, I mean, a you, a you couldn't change the other objective qualities like the skeletal structure, you know, lung capacity, all that. So that's a natural advantage anyway. So it doesn't even matter if muscle uh, size shrinks during the procedure. There's still other inherent advantages. But that's not even what we're talking about. We're, yeah. we're talking about what is a woman, you know. But sorry. And, and, but this is exactly the mixing of the objective and the subjective, right? It's like they and yeah. and it's it's directly connected, I think, to like you. you what what we saw with with the uh, French Revolution and their worship of, re of reason as a god, right? There's no there's no morals that can be de derived from the objective world of, of reason like that purely. Like it's it's um, it, or it, ironically, it, it makes them all subjective because it's just any maxim you feel will fit. Yes. Yeah. Well, because so, you select the facts based on yeah, your subjective yeah, experience, yeah. right? Because yes, yeah, so it, it turns it, everything subjective. Yeah. I think the key lesson here is that the subjective, uh, are the are the objective world is 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 always filtered through our subjective experience. Yes. And our subjective experience, and this is why narratives are important. And and yes. and the left knows this. They play these games all the time. They do nothing but narratives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so you're you're going to be you can you can select the facts and you yeah. you do naturally that are 
all are going to connect most yeah. both most with your and, preconceptions. And this is a point on which the the left are actually right. You know, people do do this, and that is the 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 narrative, the heroic narrative of of a country is the kind of false claim of objectivity. You know, it's the false claim that this is the good thing, and that's why it requires belief. You know, that's why that's why it's spiritual. That's why it uplifts people. You know, it makes them feel that maybe there could be something great. You know, okay, they're all you know, but if we try, you know, if we try and get that, it, that's why it can be inspirational. I think. Yeah, and that's why, like you said, like the 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 narrative, the good, the uh, the grand narrative for for a society is so important. Yes. Right, and like when I was talking about heroes and um, and demigods and how it becomes more about the virtues they displayed and less about who they are as a person, yep. you'll notice how the left all the time attacks the peep attacks our heroes by turning them into the materializing them and turning them into persons, and they attack the character of a person when it's not. We don't build statues to 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 people so much as the virtues they represent and the the accomplishments they achieved yeah it's it's very much by deed yeah it? by deed yeah so, and that because the deed is the expression of the virtue exactly you know, winston churchill doubtless had so many vices it's not even <laughs> worth counting imagine what winston churchill's twitter feed would have been <laughs> like it would have been brutal yeah and and yet the virtue that we lionize him for is not mm-hmm. one that was found everywhere you know it's yeah, the, exactly. The, the, you know, was, he was he was the guy to make sure that we didn't back down, and that's why we've got a statue of this guy, not because of his opinion on fucking Indians. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, who cares what he fucking thought about Indians? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he was an asshole, probably. I don't know. What do you want? Yeah, and and this is and and this is why I'm you know what we're what, what my project I'm trying to build back up is is to say like no look this is why we need these things because we yeah. need our morals and if you take uh, the whole society will fall apart if you yeah. you take away our morals and this so is what is we're up point. to yeah exactly but we that can is we the, can the reason they do it yeah, yeah. um i i familiar with the uh, john mcdonald the first prime minister of canada i've heard the name but i couldn't okay. tell you anything about okay no it. so uh, uh yeah he's He's on our ten dollar bill, and uh, the leftists did he separ- do wrong? <laughs> uh, well, this is the funny thing is is he's he's apparently he's responsible for the residential schools, right? Which is you know went on for a hundred years after he was prime minister, and uh, and it it was largely uh, of and I'm going to trigger so many people by saying it, but I'm saying it anyways. It was a largely leftist social engineering project right the residential yeah. schools it's like it he was like, like it, yeah. yeah it was it's like okay we'll take these indians out of out of yeah, their yeah. Uh, out of their natural environment and we'll 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 culturalize them so that they can Australia better fit into the society thing, didn't yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah the last um, generation or something called. yeah so it, it's it, and so they've 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 tried to place this all on on his feet mm-hmm. um and and again again like uh, completely wash away the the actual deeds of why we we lionize him, um, and uh, they replaced the on the ten dollar bill. Uh, we have like like again, it's, it's it's a silly pattern. It's like it's it's um, this woman in a uh, in a movie theater who who sat in um, uh, she's a black woman and she sat in in the, the wrong seat. Sort of like a, they're trying to connect her to the um, uh, I'm drawing a blank now. The, the woman on the bus uh, in the states. Yeah, Rosa Parks. So, so I did the Canada's Rosa Parks on the ten dollar bill. <laughs> okay, <yeah. laughs> but it's like she just you know she did it and she paid the fine. That was the end of it. But it's like yeah. and 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 she's she's 
she has sort of like a sneer on the bill too. Like it's <laughs> like this sort of like ever have slavery. Just out of interest. Oh, that's a good question. And I never did, did it. I thought it was always well, the we certainly slaves. were the the bastion for the like. Yeah, there yeah. was the underground railway, like That's many went, freed yeah. slaves. Yeah, exactly <laughs> to Canada. Yeah, but I, but I remember the British Army used to take in uh, escaped slaves or something. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, like, I don't think I, I, I'm not aware. Well, of certainly, uh, as certainly as a as a country, like since we've been a country, there was no slavery in Canada. But no, I don't no, of know. Course, but I, I'm not even sure if the colonies. In Canada yeah, did. it wasn't. I have I, to yeah, look that up. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a curious question. But you know, of course, they'll, they'll come at us for the natives because there's always uh, something, and it's it, and again, the agenda is to tear like down. There's not enough the free societies. space in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Like, what, you must have such a small population density. Just be like, look, that bit's yours. Enjoy it. You yeah. Know? Well, the but thing like, that I find out is so frustrating is like Canada actually has a rich history of, of like it wasn't really a, so much a conquest as it was in the United States, right? Mm-hmm. It was a negotiation. Um, between like the Hudson Bay Company and and all these different yeah. uh, 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 na- native nations, so yeah. and, and they were and different na- and they were very much like it was like a sieve game of of different native tribes and some some would ally, ally with themselves with the French and some would ally themselves with the British some and then like the Hudson Bay Company was sort of its own player in the make as well right so and 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 the natives would have allies with each other too so it was a very intricate web and to sort of diminish the whole thing or like flatten the whole thing into this whole like whites against natives is just it's it's, it's an absurdity like there were uh, like there were autonomous cultures that were i always find that it's um sort of disempowering the native people is very much a deterministic view of history as well as if the, mm-hmm. the white people were superior and that the natives had no chance and they couldn't do anything so like that that wasn't that's not true if you read about like the encounters they had with natives you know the natives were dangerous you know they were yeah. powerful they were scary, exactly yeah you know? like holy crap man this wasn't just some walkover mm-hmm. you know and the thing is there are, there are examples in africa of the british empire and the commanders anyway of the, of, of a particular colonial army having exactly that opinion and getting steamrolled at like Isandwana and places like this where they, they, they totally underestimate the natives get absolutely rolled and then thousands of people die. And it's like, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the, the story of the empire, all of it is not that the native people are weak. You know, that's yes. not, that's the wrong story to come away from. If you read the accounts of the people doing it, you know, they, 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 they got the sharp end of the spear or whatever it is. And they learn different, but uh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, I, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's a good segue, an important one. But I sort of got yeah. what, like, really what I wanted to get to was the, um, hmm. was that that, yeah, that bridge for you? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I mean, I'll think about it. You know, I'll have to mull it over for a bit. You know, it's like, how do I feel about it? Okay, I've got a judgment, a snap judgment, but that's probably better than not, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I'll think about it because there's, there's definitely, I mean, I can see where you're going, and I. I I mean, how we need to figure out something. And the thing, the worst part is, I don't think you can bring people back to religion, not as we understand. Not like yeah. You know, well, this is why I have middle I'm, class Westerners. You know, I I, I I think what people are forming is is badly formed religions. Yes. Is that and this is actually um, where, like we talked about virtue, but also vice. So uh, where vices come in is is really in what you're aiming for, and this is this is why it's so critical that. Um, to to note that the Marxists are aiming for an impossible utopia, something out of outside of the realm of the 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 uh, the possible. Yeah. Like, um, and 
in doing that, then anything becomes justified because they've they've lost that good orientation and become, yeah. as you say, hyper-materialistic. So that the cornucopia um, that I was talking about, the, the, the horn of plenty of the iterative loop, mm. um, you, it can be replaced by a, a vicious spiral where you're just tearing everything down. And if you, you aim for something in, in the potential space, because with the subje- subjective is really about navigating the potential futures and, and bringing about something using consciousness to, to bring to manipulate the bodies of people to to bring about a certain future right um that if it's if you're aiming for something outside of the possible then the bounds on that all go away and you you, you end up in vice you end up in these extremes and uh you and society starts to spiral out of control and and, and it deteriorate um this is actually also why you, you bounce between the extremes, why fascism and the communism start to look mm. um, uh, very, similar. very similar is because they're, they're, they're bouncing between the extremes and the extremes of, 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 yeah. of, uh, com- of compassion as along the lines of deception is yeah. clearly one, delusion, deception, and, um, and, exception, and, and uh, exception to the rules. But... And the but the extremes on the other side of of wisdom is uh, at least one of them is is tyranny, right? Of this like rules that are that are brutally applied and ruthless, like the ruthless efficiency of, of and rules. Unquestionable, as well, because they just came from the past. Yeah, un- unquestionable. Yes. Yeah. So this is yeah. So the, the well-oriented um, cornucopia loop actually like a, it has built into a, a mechanism of reorienting with reality because the pro the the potential space the future um like a healthy religion has to have that art it has to always realign itself with reality because it will always because the environment shifts in many different ways so you have to you so there always has to be this conversation between the dogma what's came before and the hero moving it forward this this is the problem with this sort of a priori moral perfection that the communists and fascists are aiming for Yes, fundamentally, this is why this is why you get like Hitler denying and ordering around dead legions and stuff like this. You know, demanding your brigades. Yeah, because you get the discordance with with reality. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Things should be perfect. Why are they not perfect? Yes, and that's that's well, ideology has this this it's it's somewhere in the middle of that vicious loop and that that uh, cornucopia where it's a, it's a, it's an infinite loop, just like in programming, where it's it's not it's self referential. And if you're in that trapped in that self-referential ideology, the key indicator is that when reality is discordant with your ideology, reality is the problem, hmm. right? So it's you know those legions can't exist, or yeah. um, you know the, the factories aren't producing more than the glory the, the evil capitalists because there must be wreckers or or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reality so is the some problem. Some excuse, yeah, yeah. So that's 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 the thought, and uh, I, what I do is I do these five-minute videos where I sort of um, take these these big ideas and sort of bundle them in. Usually, like I do, like these discourse videos that are like twenty minutes long that I have like a, a discussion with a friend, more philosophical. But to get the big ideas, I'll do like these these shorter videos that are, I'm trying to get memeable. But these are like hard ideas to meme. So this is this is the challenge: is that I you know um, I think I, I have some good ideas here that can. Like at least move the conversation forward and and shift shift yeah. the battle the the playing field, but uh, it's hard. It's they're not easy to distribute. Yeah, 
And the 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 the, the real challenge is going to be making them persuasive to leftists. That's the thing. Like, mm. I don't know how. <laughs> I think <laughs> the I think that the way to make them more persuasive to leftists, at least this is my the best one I have so far, is many leftists are are obsessed with with self improvement and familial improvement. At least the mm. and we're not talking about the radicals, but we're talking about the the normie leftists. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. So if you can link it to, and I, you know, I had, this is not well thought out at this point, but if you can link it to self-improvement, because it, it, it happens on all these levels, right? So if they can see, you get them to see the utility in their own lives and the utility in the family unit, um, then maybe they'll also see, oh, okay, this, the same principles extend up into society. I, I, I think that there has to be a way of sort of proselytizing Aristotle to these people, like... Yeah. Explaining, explaining that the, the the problems they have are honestly the result of their own choices, and it like the lack of action is the problem. I've I've, I've always been a kind of action oriented kind of guy, you know. Like, okay. I like I would rather do things than just watch things, right? I don't I don't like watching sports, but I love playing sports, and I've I've I'm I'm very much a devotee of the idea that. Um, uh, depression can be cured by exercise. I think that getting up, doing something, mm. moving, and this is the problem with depression. You hear these people going, well, I just feel like I can't do anything. It's like, okay, but you have to do something. That's how yes. you get out of it. So you've got to force yourself. It can be really awful, but you know, you habituate yourself to it and it becomes second nature and suddenly you realize you're happy and you're not mm. depressed and you're actually moving and suddenly you feel like you're in control of your life. You have agency and everything starts getting better and you can start building yes. And I think that a lot of the left are trapped in this kind of depression area yes. where they've got not got the motivation to get out of it. And translating that into a kind of Aristotelian motion-based worldview is, I think, mm. the primary goal at the moment to get them to go somewhere. And then, I mean, maybe that's done by motivating them with where they're trying to get the perfect ideal. You know, maybe that's done that way. And we yeah. just haven't been putting the case across well, but they've got to get off their fucking asses. And well, get, I... Get your head kicked in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's there's three things that they need. It's like they need goals, yeah. uh, a moral code, a mm -hmm. code to live by, and a schedule, which is like the habituation. Yeah. Like that, that's yeah. the the final state of like, yeah. okay, you have these goals, like the, like the path you want to live in life. Yeah. Build that into your schedule you of what you're there? doing. Where How are you going to get there? What are you going to do? And it it doesn't happen overnight, right? It's hard work yeah. to actually build that kind of character. And this is, you know, part of the reason they think it's just going to be given to them is because they they don't uh, do the hard work. But uh, yeah, but we we have the the work. Um, uh, yeah, we have our work cut out for us certainly. We do, I think. We do. Um, but yeah, thank you for your time, dude. I really uh, so enjoyed I can, this. this. was a great yeah. conversation. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And I, I I'd love to have it have it again sometime because there's other ideas we can talk about. Yeah, um, um, send send Callum a link to it when it's up, and I'll put it out in my parlor. Yeah. So, but so thank you for your time, uh, Sargon. It was it's been a pleasure. Take care. Thank Thanks you. Thanks a lot, man. Cheers. Bye.